welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. Earlier we stated that, quote, there are basically two questions or issues that need to be addressed. One, what role should the civil government play in the New Testament congregation or in any form of religion? And two, what role should the New Testament congregation or any form of religion be involved in civil government or in any worldly organization? End quote. Further, we said that, quote, these questions relate to all religions and not only to the New Testament assembly, end quote. After reviewing the confessions of the Baptists and Protestants, we summarized by saying the following. The differences between Articles 3 of the two Protestant confessions were given as such. One, the Westminster focuses Article 3 around the church, which, according to their form of church government, is an umbrella over congregations. In other words, church is a higher authority over congregations. Continuing, whereas the Savoy centers it around the interest of Christ in the world. Two, both, that is, both confessions affirm that civil government is to encourage, promote, protect, and preserve the gospel and professors of the gospel. Three, both affirm that blasphemies, heresies, corruptions, and wicked practices be prevented and that the truth of God be kept pure. Four, the Savoy allows some lead way so as not disturbing others in their ways or worship that differ from them whereas the Westminster does not allow such liberty of conscience. And five, the Westminster grants that the civil authority has power to call synods to be present in them and to provide that whatsoever is transacted in them according to the mind of God, where the Savoy does not allow. This greatly differs from the Baptist Confession, where Article 3 states that, quote, civil magistrates being set up by God for the ends aforesaid, subjection in all lawful things commanded by them ought to be yielded by us in the Lord, not only for wrath, but for conscience's sake, and we ought to make supplications and prayers for kings and all that are in authority, that under them we may live a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Furthermore, we saw that some of the modern Protestant confessions enlarged their interest in that they affirm that it is the role of organized, quote, Christian, end of quote, religion to be involved in social justice, and seek to persuade civil government regarding these affairs. Equally, we found that as late as 2011, Protestants 
continued to affirm their aversion to those who differ with them in stating as follows, quote, Whereas we detest the Anabaptist and other seditious people, and in general all those who reject the higher powers and magistrates, and would subvert justice, introduce community of goods, and confound that decency and good order which God hath established among men, end of quote. In reviewing the scriptural references as supplied by the confessions, we found that God ordained civil government and that Christians are to be submissive to such governments. However, we also saw that when the civil government seeks to interfere with the house of God and its worship, it has overstepped its bounds and that the saints of God and the congregation of the Lord are to obey God rather than man. Israel, under the Old Testament theocracy, never sought to force the stranger or other nations to worship under their economy. If a stranger desired to be identified with Israel in her worship, he was welcomed, but he was never forced under it. Obviously, if Israel captured and subdued a nation, a tribe, or kingdom, They were subject to Israel's civil laws, but they were not forced under the Levitical worshiping system. In fact, a stranger could not enter into their worship as such. And likewise, under the New Testament worship and the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, unbelievers and civil powers were not forced into the worship of the congregation of God. It cannot be denied that we live in a pluralistic society. Regardless of the country in which one lives, this is a fact. Unless all the citizens of that country believe identically, different people are going to have views that differ from others. While there are countries that basically have one form of religion, there are some within that nation that believe somewhat different from the majority in some fashion. This is a fact of human nature. Even within a family, it is a rare thing, if this is ever the case, that the husband and wife always agree on everything. In a pluralistic society like the United States of America, there are people who live here with various forms of religious worship. Therefore, it is impossible that all will believe alike. In fact, all who profess to be Christian do not believe alike. John Owen said in his answers to a Roman Catholic in his day concerning the unity in profession among all Christians that such could only be achieved by the sword. He said, quote, In the meantime, to expect unity in profession by the reduction of all men to a precise agreement in all the doctrines that have been and are ventilated among Christians and in all acts and ways of worship is to refer the supreme and lasting determination of things evangelical to the sword 
of secular power and violence, and to inscribe Vox Ultima Christi upon great guns and other engines of war. Seeing otherwise, it will not be affected. And what may be done this way, I know not. That is from John Owen's Works, Volume 14, page 318. And yet the followers of John Owen and the Savoy Confession sought to do this very thing in the early days of this country under the rules of the Congregationalists. Such practices were likewise done by the Episcopalians and Presbyterians and other Protestants as well. However, such practices of using civil government to enforce so-called Christian beliefs on others began long before this in America. In fact, it can be traced back to Augustine, one of the heroes of the Protestants. Needless to say, Augustine was a Catholic and not a Protestant. Augustine desired to use the civil government to extinguish the Donatist. We need to give some history regarding Donatists because Catholics and Protestants alike in their histories always speak of them as being the filth of the world and the offscouring of all things. 1 Corinthians 4.13 Even John Owen said of them that they were, quote, the wretchedest schism that ever rent the Church of God which makes the wounds of Christendom incurable and all hope of coalition in love desperate. That's in his works, volume 14, page 355. Also, listen to the words of Thomas Goodwin from his sermon 35 on Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Quote, I will add but two cautions to inform you concerning two divisions, the one from the universal church and the other from particular churches. It is proper to the thing in hand, church, the church, which is his body. And there is no schism to be in the body, no schism from the universal church, no schism from, uni- from particular churches, that are truly churches of Christ. I will tell you of two great divisions from either. You have heard of two sorts spoken of, the one of old and the other of latter years. The one, the Donatist of old. The other, the Brownist of late. You call the Brownist the new Donatist and the Donatist the old Brownist. I will explain that which is the worst in either opinions, and you shall see it is proper to the thing at hand. First, the Donatists that were in Austin's time, and Austin here, he's talking about Augustine, not uh, a British historian called Austin in latter times. Uh, The first for Donatists that were in Austin's time. I have examined diligently the writings of Austin. Among them, I find the highest venom of their opinion to lie in this. And it is high enough, if we may 
no men by the writing of their adversaries against them, for there is none of their own writings extant. The truth is, they deny the church universal. They deny that the church was anywhere but in that part of Africa where they were, and this inflamed that holy man Austin against them. They might have put out of their creed, quote, I believe the church Catholic, end of quote, but put in, quote, I believe a little part of the world to be the church, end of quote. Here you see a schism hath been from the church universal. Goodwin continues, Now go take the brownest. They never deny the church universal as the Donatists do. They have always affirmed that there is a church universal in all places. Yea, and in England the most glorious church of saints of any in the world. But yet herein hath laid their error. They have sinned against particular churches, as they of old did against the universal church. And against these I form my part, and many of my brethren profess that they are in an error. And it is evident by Revelation 15 that from the first time of the separation from popery there hath been a temple built to God, churches to God, in all the Reformed Churches. End of quote of Goodwin. This is a small sample of many quotes that could be furnished to show the disdain the Protestants have for the Donatist and others who desire to use civil magistrates or civil government to keep the truth of God as they understand it, quote, pure and entire, end of quote. You will note in both quotes, though not as open in Owens as in Goodwin's, that one of their major objections to the Donatists was their resistance to the belief in the, quote, church universal, end of quote. However, that is another, another study which we have made reference to in previous podcasts. The confusion regarding what is the church can be readily seen in another quote by John Owen in his Answering the Papist, John Vincent Cain. Quoting Owen, Moreover, we desire to know what church do you mean in your assertion? Or, rather, what is it you mean by the church? Do you intend the mystical church, or the whole number of God's elect in all ages, or in any age? Militant on earth, which principally is the church of God, Ephesians 5.25, or do you intend the whole diffused body of disciples of Christ in the world, separated to God by baptism and the profession of saving truth, which is the church Catholic visible? Or do you mean any particular church as the Roman or Constantinopolitan the French, Dutch, or English church. That's from his works, volume 14, page 301. That's the end of quote from Owen. As noted in previous podcasts, the translators under the rules as established by King James were not allowed to translate 
the Greek word ekklesia as congregation, as Tyndall did in every place in his New Testament. If the word congregation would have been used throughout the translations of the Bible over the years, I believe there would be less confusion regarding what our Lord meant concerning the house of God. Obviously, there were no denominations or such like religious institutions in the days of the New Testament. But let us return to our topic and the use of civil government by professors of Christianity to rule over or interfere with the assembly of the saints. We were discussing the Donatists in the days of Augustine. Baptists have generally recognized the Donatists as their forefathers. The noted Baptist Charles Spurgeon, for example, said the following, Now it seems to me at this day, when any say to us, You as a denomination, what great names can you mention? What fathers can you speak of? We may reply, more than any other under heaven, for we are the old apostolic church that have never bowed to the yoke of princes yet. We known among men in all ages by various names, such as Donatist, Novatians, Polycans, Petribucians, Cathari, Arnolist, Hussites, Waldensians, Lollards, and Anabaptists have always contended for the purity of the church and her distinctness and separation from human government, end of quote. That's from Spurgeon's Metropolitan Tabernacle Pulpit, year 1861, Sermon 424. The famous Baptist historian David Benedict did not include the Donatists in his earlier histories of the Baptists due to the massive negative comments by the Protestants and Catholic historians. Benedict wrote his earlier two-volume history of the Baptists in 1813 and the one-volume edition later in 1848. However, after much study, he wrote his book entitled The History of the Donatists in 1875, proving that they were, quote, grossly misrepresented end of quote, as well as the Manichees, as given by Augustine. In other words, they were grossly misrepresented as given by Augustine. Benedict further stated in his book, Fifty Years Among the Baptists, on pages 267 and 268, the following, The history of the Donatists cost me a great amount of labor and the facts which I have collected from the writings of Optatus, Augustine, and the numerous editors of their works respecting the character, the publications, the sufferings, and the number of this people, and also their influence in the support of evangelical principles, have far exceeded my most serene expectations. I had supposed that no vestiges remained of the literary productions of that large class of able men who are known to have existed among the Donatists. 
but on this point I was agreeably disappointed, and since I found in the works of Augustine an abundance of quotations from Donatist authors, in the variable Latin in which they wrote, in defense of their own principles and pursuits, and in the condemnation of the corruptions and persecutions of their Catholic opponents. End of quote. This is quite different from Goodwin's quote above, where he said, quote, I have examined diligently the writings of Austin. Among them I find the highest venom of their opinions to lie in this, and it is high enough, if we may know men by the writings of their adversaries against them, for there is none of their own writings extant, end of quote. I regret to say that our time is exhaustive for today. The Lord willing, we will continue in our next lesson by further examining the controversy between the Donatist and Augustine and his desire to remove them by civil powers. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.